the World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. What's our name? Welcome to the New Generation Podcast. I'm the North South Connection. I'm Tim Slavka. I'm JP. Thanks for joining us again. As always, on the journey with the New Generation era to find something best and worse in the time period off of the goddess. Brennan Shaw at Survivor Series 92. To Brennan Shaw at Survivor Series 97. We look beyond the big previews, examine the weekly TV, see what worked, what could have worked, what failed. JP, how's everything going? Pretty good. Not like anything uh, important happened in wrestling this week. No, no, yeah, we don't break kayfabe of what actually happened, but uh, 90 retirements and WWE's yeah. landscape has been changed forever, I think. Yeah, um, just just a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, a couple things I think could be happening. One, um, you know, obviously there's lawsuits. There's probably right. part of it. I, I don't know if Vince is in the best health, right, as well. Like, the times he's come out, he hasn't always been in the best health. So I think this is probably been coming for a while uh mm-hmm. but it's interesting to see like how long does this last right if a lawsuit gets dropped does he show up you know the next monday so who knows well that's the thing too like is it is it a force out or is it a his choice like, yeah it doesn't feel like it's his choice it feels like there's some kind of like yeah. you said with the divorce or, or separation or whatever all this other crap like maybe he's just finally his limit i guess i don't know but pretty uh Pretty weird, nonetheless, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's, it's obviously a big deal, but we know Terry Funk retired in like 1986, so no wrestling <laughs> retirement is, is ever for sure. But you know, it, it is one of those things that, you know, obviously he's been around forever and owns the company, and there, you know, a lot of, a lot of that type of stuff. So, um, it will be interesting to see where it goes from, from here. And you know, it's kind of interesting. Stephanie was gone, right? And Triple H was gone, and now they're back in all of a sudden. So, um. You know, we'll, we'll see what um, see what kind of happens with it. Uh, oh yeah, who like, who would have thought that Ric Flair would wrestle a match after Vincent Man is no longer the cup? No <laughs> yeah, it's pretty much yeah. I mean, again, it's be interesting to see in the next six months what kind of comes down. It's obviously it's, it's obviously very serious as well because you know they're publicly traded companies. So while exactly kayfabe wrestling things like they can't they can't do this. To, to jump the stock price, so they got to be careful as well uh, of that. So I think it's legit for a while, but in two years we might be seeing Vince wrestle again. So um, interesting. Well, he's probably just going to get cryogenically frozen right now. <laughs> definitely, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely, definitely. Right. Him and Flair probably. If, if Flair exactly. had money, he definitely would to fight again in you know twenty fifty or something like that. Uh, the, you know, and then we got the summertime going, and we got you know. Chicago weather right now is Florida weather with the humidity unbearable. So I'm sure you're dying out there. I'm dying. Oh God! It's I might pay. I might start paying people to cut my grass. It's <laughs> so bad. Yeah, and then uh, we got the sports season's about to about to flip. About to be uh, our Bears. And I was reading an article yesterday about we should be one of the top ten worst teams of the year. So definitely not a uh, definitely not a uh, definitely not a uh, fun time in Chicago sports. No, not not. I don't even. I'm glad I don't live there right now because people are just gonna start going crazy with everybody rebuilding and everything. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blackhawks just did a major re, major sale on the in the draft. The White Sox are kind of been disappointing. Cubs stink. 
It's, yeah. it's a rough, rough sports time. Usually Chicago sports are not very good, and we're definitely sticking with it right now. So, um, well, I guess I guess we could talk about something more exciting or more more positive. Well, I don't know if positive. If you're a Lex Luger fan, but we should go to SummerSlam 1983. Does that sound good? Yeah, and it's kind of good timing that this upcoming weekend is going to be current day SummerSlam. So we didn't really like plan on it this way. It just worked out pretty good. It's like a little. Uh, what, almost 30 years, 29 years? Yeah. You know, going back. Yeah. So, uh, we're at the Palace of Auburn Hills, uh, which is where the Pistons play in Detroit, Michigan, uh, um, suburb of Detroit, but, uh, pretty, pretty famous arena. I actually read up on some of the stuff, like, it's kind of one of the first basketball arena that had, like, suites and stuff. So they kind of called it, like, a changing arena, which doesn't look like it from the thing, but, for what, the way they set it up, I guess, like the lower level suites were just something new for basketball arenas. So like when it, I guess, got built originally, it was kind of a, a big deal, but it just kind of looks like your standard, you know, nineties wrestling arena. Uh, and, but they definitely do a good job of the Maricotta, a different entrance way, uh, that's special for, uh, you know, our hero coming through and lots of banners, kind of WrestleMania 7, the banners kind of everywhere at the America, but definitely a cool looking, uh, arena. I don't know if you have anything to comment on the, the kind of setup of, of, of SummerSlam. Yeah, I just like to, I, like, I love the SummerSlam theme from this time period too. Like, like, you know, how different, like, pay-per-views have their own theme or whatever. Yep. Um, I thought that was cool. And I just thought, you know, like, like you said, that the ambiance they put on there with the newer arena, they kind of do it next year, SummerSlam as well with the new arena. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty, this got me excited for the show, just seeing it kick off the way it did. Yep. Yep. So, um, I got, I got, we got, I didn't, I should have mapped this out of who gets what matches, but. I'll uh, take start, it. I, I looked at it. I'll take the first match. I'll take it for, okay. I, you know yeah. why. But, yep, uh, yep, yep. I looked at it. Okay, great. So, so um, let's start off so, with the first. Yeah. So to start, we get, um, Ted DiBiase versus Razor Ramon and Razor comes out in these like sweet pink tights. Like, I don't, I don't think he has a bad color scheme at all. Like anything he throws out there is pretty good. Um, but. This is another one of those razor matches against like an older guy on pay per view. It's kind of weird that they keep doing this to him. And they did it with Backlund. But, uh, I thought DiBiase was still a little bit more invested in this feud. So it made it kind of interesting a little bit. And, you know, it, that shows at the start, like DiBiase jumps him as soon as the bell rings. Um, but kind of razor kind of gets the upper hand a little bit until like DiBiase, like, and you see this before the match. I noticed that at least DiBiase was kind of messing with the turnbuckle pad, and I don't know if the yep. camera was supposed to be on him or not. But he uh, ends up pulling it off and pulls Razor into it, with, which is a cool spot. But, um, you know, uh, Razor ends up eventually reversing him into that spot, and I'm surprised that the finish came with uh, the Razor's edge. I'm surprised that DiBiase took it because – you know, like some of the other guys weren't taking the Razor's Edge. He didn't. He hasn't gotten a Razor's Edge victory on pay per view yet. So maybe with like the face turn, they're like you know making it a more important thing to put the move over to and, and show him win with that. So not a not a match that I, I thought would be like an opener. Like I, I kind of thought our next match might have been the opener. Like it didn't really it, it didn't really do anything for me as far as this goes. Um, cool seeing Razor. I think DiBiase did his job, but Kind of a uh, a middle of the road match, I think. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, it, it's interesting. It's la- it's the last ever DiBiase WWE match, right? So pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. They don't really make mention of that, even though he, I you know, kind of read a little cheating, read some observer that you know he was done with the WWF already, so it wasn't like he'd surprised. Um, but it's just kind of crazy. They don't mention that like this guy's leaving or that Razor could take him out. You know, kind of thought they could have brought that in the storyline. I thought Razor, you know, this is his first uh, face pay per view, huge pop coming out. He really mm-hmm. kind of like soaks up, and, like he stands at the entrance way, like. You know, kind of like give it, give me the ovation. He's, in, he's all pink. Uh, you know, I kind of wrote the, the cool entrance way. You know, the, the kind of really stands out with Razor in there with like the jumbotron above it. It's a cool visual. Um, and, and then I, th- I always thought like the turnbuckle spot. I feel like that's such a DiBiase. Well, it's a SummerSlam DiBiase thing because he did the same thing versus Virgil. But I feel like that's such a move by him, like taking off the turnbuckle, but then getting reversed into. And then I thought the Razor's Edge, I thought Million Dollar Man gave him no hope. Help, like, maybe he didn't want to take it or something, but right. I felt like, like Razor to, like, deadlift him. Like, it was, he, he kind of got stuck. So I just lifted up, and it was an awesome spot. So, uh, awesome Razor's Edge, huge pop. Uh, crowd, crowd went, op- uh, went over. And I, the only thing I thought on the, 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 the match was I thought Bobby Heaton was really struggling, like, how to make fun of Razor Ramon. Like, he was trying to make fun of him being Cuban and stuff. I just thought it, Bobby was kind of off on that, like how to pick on Razor, because they mm-hmm. kind of get kind of careful with like you can't really mock him for the one two three kid because DiBiase lost the one two three kid. Right. Uh, but in my opinion, right, like my next note is that this is right to give Razor the one the IC run. Like he he is over, and the crowd gave it to him. And I thought a decent opener. I know you didn't like it as much, but I thought it was a fine opener. And with the, getting the crowd invested, like I think that's always a good part of wrestlers get a get a guy that the you know the crowd's invested to. Uh, you know, I'm not someone like a Savio Vega. The crowd just doesn't care about. Everyone cared about Razors. So <laughs> a good, good start. Yeah, I'll, I'll agree with you on that, and definitely. And then we got, uh, so we got an interview uh, with the Sander brother family. So Sanders obviously are from uh, the Michigan area. Uh, University of Michigan is like 25 minutes away from Detroit, so they're the hometown pop. Uh, they interview the mom. The mom doesn't want to be on the camera at all. She just says everything Todd says. She says, "Yep, yep, mm-hmm. yep, yep." Uh, but then awesome heel moments where Jim Cornette yes. interrupts their, the talking to the sister. Um, and he introduces the heavenly bodies, uh, your favorite move, Tom Pritchard with all the hair tosses. So I know you're loving that. Uh, but then I like how he does also then introduce Jim Cornette. Like it's a cool little like back and forth they do to introduce him. Uh, but my, man, my note about this is like the heavenly bodies like get no heat. Their music sucks. I put it kind of sounds like WCW music, but it's just, it doesn't have a cool vibe to it. Compare that to what we see with the Quebecers coming out, like just such a more WWE sounding music. They're like, it's just like, I think their, their, their music's terrible. Uh, so they just got no heat in my opinion, but then the signers come out huge pop. We're in the Michigan jackets, the Michigan fight song, the big M and the, the Titantron. So they are, they're awesome. And then we get a fun, fun little match, about 10 minutes, um, back and forth. I think the only problem with it is just, again, the heavenly bodies just have no heat, even with the gigolo, jiggling away, uh, doing a sexy move. You know, the crowd just did not buy it, uh, for whatever reason. Uh, I also think this is part of the problem with this type of team. Uh, like WWE doesn't know, what, well, Vince doesn't know how to call it, right? He, everything's what a maneuver suplex. And then, the camera mixes uh, Moonslow to the outside. It's kind of sloppy from the ref as well. Uh, I, I put the, in my notes, Danny Davis just has no control over the match. Like, the, the heavily bodies are in the ring together for, like, a good three minutes without even a count or anything. So 
like the presentation of the match is like done poorly because I just don't think the WWF has like that type of style like they're used to. Um, but at the end, there's a massive racket shot to the head of Rick. Um, but then Scott kind of comes in again. Dave Davis does nothing to break it up and just pushes, pushes uh, as uh, Jiggle is going up for the moonsault. Just pushes Tom out of the way. Immediate into the Frankensteiner, one, two, three, and uh, kind of big pop again for the Steiners. So a decent match, but I think from, like, a presentation of just commentary, camera work, not very good. And then crowd heat, just nothing on the heavily bodies. I don't know what you had to add on our big tag team match. Yeah, so first I'll go back to, like, the, the daughter and the, and the mom. It was <laughs> so funny that the, the sister slipped their shoot names in there. Yep. Like she awesome. was like, oh, I, I, I would, you know, we'd always wrestle with Rob and Scott. Like she doesn't call him Rick, so it's just like, you know, fuck the whole gimmick right there. You know, we're in the hometown. We're gonna, we're gonna start the shoot names. Um, and as far as the match goes, I love this pairing because I feel like, you know, we see like the squash matches of like the Steiners just throwing guys around, or they're working yep. with Money Inc. who they can't throw around as much, which is, and that was still a good series, but. Like the heavenly bodies are younger, even though they look older, kind of team. Like they're they're just I don't know. They're just kind of and, and they're trying to prove themselves coming up from like Smoky Mountain. So I feel like this is like a good litmus test match to see where they're at. Um, I thought it was a really fun match too. I I, I remember like watching. I haven't seen SummerSlam '93 in 15 years probably, but I remember like loving this match at the time. Like being like feeling like it was like a classic tag match. I I don't feel like that now. Like, I feel like it's just a very good match, like, just a, you know, something, not something, like, I would go crazy over, not something I'm going to lose my shit over, but something that kind of holds a good place on a card. Um, yeah. And, you know, obviously, giving the Steiners a win in Michigan was the right thing. They had the cool Michigan colors, matching colors for a change. Like, usually they're kind of all over the place, separate from each other. But, um, just, yeah, just a good moment. And, and this is why I wish that w- this would have been the opener, because I feel like the crowd might have been more into it with them coming out first. But um, still a solid match nonetheless. And then um, – oh, go ahead. Sorry, do you have something? No, good. Nope, nope. Ready to move on. So then we uh, go backstage with the Minnesota play-by-play guy, I think, Joe <laughs> Fowler. Was very random. Like there was, like from the University of Minnesota Golden Gophers were in Michigan. Like did they, like mix up where they were at and see like MI as the initials to where they were at and just figure, you know figure out that's where they were. I don't know. It, it was it, this was this guy was like totally random. I've never heard of him. Um, he's hey, you'll never with, hear him again. <laughs> yeah, Spoiler: and, and, You'll never hear him again. And rightfully so. So was was this was this a guy that was meant to work for the company or was he like a work for the event, like a Bob Euchre kind of thing? No, I, like, well, he was in coach, right? Was He was also the announcer on coach. I think he's like uh, a minor, minor celebrity as well. So I think right. they were trying to figure out, uh, you know, who to replace Oakland and uh, Sean Mooney with, right? So right. they kind of been stuck, right? And I don't, I don't know if Lord of Hayes is still around either. So I think they're kind of down guys. So I think they tried bringing him in as like a as a um, like little minor celebrity to kind of run with it. You know, they did the same That's thing with, like, Adam Lee as well, right, years later. Yeah. So I think yep. they were trying to go that route, like, of, oh, let's get bring in someone, like, a little more famous, you know, but is it an announcer, so might know what he's doing, but clearly didn't, so. See, I, I only remember Coach 
on coach, and then the the blonde guy. That's the only two guys I remember on coach. Oh, yeah. But yeah, he was like the uh, the announcer. So gotcha. Uh, so yeah, he sucked. And then Diesel, he was with Sean and Diesel, kind of you know talking about the the match coming up. Um, and Diesel has like now his signature look, like with the leather vest and the all black and everything. So he even got a little bit of mic time, which was interesting. Like they're kind of you know giving him little breadcrumbs here and there to kind of see where he can go. Um, not just be like the silent bodyguard anymore. So just something to note down the line. Yep. Um, so next we get, uh, Shawn Michaels versus Mr. Perfect and kind of weird that the, the champ comes out first. I, I don't, that's like a real nitpick thing for me. I don't like that. I don't like the champion coming out first, even if it's a heel. Like I feel like, you know, the championship should always be protected and come out second. I know it's like a dumb quirk, but it's just, I don't know. It's just something I nitpick. I feel like these two, like, the hype for this match of them being, like, both, like, oh. the athletic prime and everything, like, you're you're seeing this, and you're like, oh, man, this is going to be a really good match, especially what, like, Perfect and Brett just did a couple months ago at, at King of the Ring, and then Sean really hasn't had, like, outside of Marty, he really hasn't had, like, a big match, so, like, maybe this is his time. I thought this was real sloppy to start. Like, I thought, like, both guys, I don't know if they, I don't know if they were trying to, like, outdo each other and, and were going too fast or if they just didn't plan it out good enough but it was so disjointed and like it came off like sean was getting frustrated by perfect in the ring but you know him like that that could be a shoot like that could be him really getting yeah um, frustrated and then like certain spots just came off like too choreographed like the timing was like let me wait for you to do this i'm just gonna stand here It, it didn't seem natural so um it ends with like a terrible count out finish, which I can't stand. Like, why aren't you giving Sean a clean win? He's your intercontinental champion. He's got the bodyguard. He's got, you know, the package to move up into the card, but you know, why can't you go over clean? I don't, I don't get that. Um, at least like perfect comes in and, and gives Sean and diesel their heat back. At least like he tries to attack diesel and then they, they lay him out. So that was good. Um, but you know, the, the, as Sean and Diesel are leaving, Pettingill kind of stops them and they just kind of, you know, talk about perfect and then perfect kind of chases after them after they're already backstage. So kind of a, just, just a really, really flat match. Like nothing, like there's not really anything good about it. I mean, it wasn't like terrible. It was just, especially with the expectation of these two, I just thought it sucked. Like I didn't, I didn't think really anything great came out of it. Yeah, um, so I actually thought the crowd was into it early. I thought it was a little sloppy, but then they did, like, an arm bar maybe 10 minutes in and just really slowed it down. The crowd kind of got out of it. I thought there was a great slingshot by Perfect onto Sean that Sean did his over-the-top selling, so I thought that it got the kind of the crowd back into it, but uh, there was a big, long backbreaker by Sean. So, like, I don't know if they were using those arm bars, backbreaker and headlock to call moves, uh, but on the backbreaker, Perfect did this, you know, did a kind of flipped him over, and then we got the ultimate Super Vince. One, two, three, he got him. Oh no, he didn't. Mm, right, like just right, the right. Vinceism of like he's annoying on the match as well because he's not calling the moves really right, and he's doing his over the top like perfect one. Oh no, he didn't. Um, so I kind of thought the end. I actually kind of liked it in that the you know. Uh, Sean fell on a backflip right into the perfect plex, so you kind of see Perfect about to win. Diesel grabs his leg, so clearly we've kind of talked about this before. They're trying to transition to Perfect Diesel on the feud, so they kind of get Diesel cost him. Um, 
and uh, you know, perfect starts hitting him. I like Bobby that. Oh my God, he's hitting a man with glasses. I thought that was funny. Um, mm-hmm. He throws Sean kind of back in, knocks over the ref, and then I thought it was done pretty well. Like knocks over the ref, but not enough that the ref gets distracted. Diesel throws him into the the, the stairs for the countout victory. Tons of booze, but I think it's just like a disappointment. Uh, I think it's kind of weird to have back to back title matches. Like I think they could have probably separated these kind of out and then just have perfect win it because the crowd was like just waiting for perfect to win it, right? And there was just kind of like this, oh, that's it. This is the way it's going to end. So I kind of right. liked, I liked the like execution of the finish, but I think it was the wrong finish, right, to do it. Like I just think they should have went with perfect. And as we'll probably see, right, the title is going to disappear from Sean anyway. So it probably would have just yeah. been better to have perfect win anyways. Uh, and then even after the match, like, Diesel punch us now perfect. I thought there was no heat for Diesel. Like, I know you've been kind of more positive on Diesel, but I just hate him. I think he's terrible. I couldn't believe he was, like, a superstar in 94 because I just thought he was a bum. So I, I really didn't have much. To, <laughs> didn't really have much. That is, like, they had a cool backstage uh, fight at the end afterwards. Like, they went to the backstage kind of beat each other up. So it kind of seemed like they were still keeping the feud going. But uh, overall, disappointing match. I think, you know, they brought this up of the greatest title match of all time. And, you know, this will be talked about forever. And it clearly just isn't. I think, well, I think you said disappointing. I think that's the main thing. Like whether it's good or bad or not, technically whatever, but disappointing it definitely is, especially when you watch the TV and see how like, you know, it's just, when you look at the rest of the roster, you see these two guys who are like supposed to be like prime athletes. You're expecting some like fast paced, up and down match, and you just don't get that at all. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Yeah, it wasn't terrible, like it wasn't unwatchable, but definitely the groans of like the the groans of the uh, the crowd when they announced the count out. They're like, really, this is what we came here for. So I think everyone going into that was just thinking, okay, for sure, we're going to, uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna see that title match. I think just coming back to back title wins is kind of probably a bad placement. And what he probably would have done was put this match in between, which would be the one, two, three kid and IRS. You got Joe, your boy Joe Fowler interviewing the one, two, three kid in a terrible interview. Uh, oh, he's so nervous, but I think I, I don't like my note is like, is that really one, two, three kids personalities or just pulling it off? Cause he's kind of, you know, is six and X-Pac. He's so much, he has so much personality. I don't know if it's just young or if you just play scared. Well, <laughs> I put that. Bless you. Thank you. Sorry, I tried to hit mute. I don't know if I got it in time, but <laughs> <laughs> but I uh, I wrote that same note is that I put at least they're playing into how nervous kid is. So yeah, yeah, I think I think maybe they could tell he was nervous, and then they're just like, hey, this kind of fits the gimmick. Let's kind of roll with it a little bit because you're you're yeah. right. He does um, come out of his shell, especially as like Xbox and Six, but then he also has his boys around when he's doing that, so that might help him. You know. Relax a little bit, I guess. Yeah. So uh, then you get kind of IRS interrupting this one again. He says it used to be the Motor City, but now it's a taxi city. Uh, and then you get uh, one, two, three, kid. I thought he got a huge pop coming out. I, I actually thought for an IRS match, this was pretty good. Uh, you know, one, two, three, kid. You know, kind of short, like five minute, five minute match. But IRS would take over, and then uh, one, two, three, kid would reverse it. Um, lots of Irwin chants from the crowd. Uh, it, and uh, there's a comment where Bray, Bray just talks about how smart he is, like IRS, and that's why he's the brain. I just thought it was thought it was pretty good. Uh, IRS goes or 
one to three kick goes for the moonsault again, but IRS actually kicks out of it, which I thought they shouldn't have done. I thought they could have done like a rope move there because you know he beat Razor with it. So I thought it was a little disappointing how they had. So IRS just kept kicking out of all one two three kids, and then he just you know my note's still funny that he wins on just a basic clothesline, uh, the ten forty write off as Brain tries to draw the ba- brain scan pretty bad and uh, a win for IRS. So kind of weird that they're letting IRS be the kind of hot baby face and let him take kind of his finisher in the moonsault. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 what I'm messing was they're probably thinking, all right, IRS will be the heel for the IC title, so let's keep him strong. But he probably could add one, two, three kid win. Um, but again, kind of, I would probably switch these matches around, right? Put right. this one before the perfect match and then have perfect win. It kind of sets things up a little better. Instead, you're kind of having two heels win in a row that both times the, the crowd was really anticipating I think the face winning, right? Like sometimes there is like known things, right? We'll get to the Lubick Borga match later, but like sometimes it's just known, right? The heels are probably going to win this match. Like mm-hmm. these are two where you kind of like going in would think like, yep, the faces feel like they're they're going to win this thing. So kind of a weird placement. Again, kind of weird IRS wins. They're trying to put him over, but I guess now that he's going to be a single star. They're trying to scrape him back up as a as a top you know top IC level contender for that belt. Well, it, it was weird that, you know, they, they give IRS this win. They, like, you could have given Kid a count-out win, and it kind of reversed the the booking between the Sean Perfect match and this match. But it was kind of weird that they give IRS the win, and they give him, like, a jobber entrance. Like, he's not even, like, coming to the ring talking to the crowd, like, as an entrance. He's already in the ring, you know, when we when we get back to the, to the ring. So it's kind of weird. That they, I I didn't expect IRS to win. Like I did not remember this finish at all. I did not expect that to happen. So when he won clean, I was like, okay, that's kind of weird. But and and it actually does make sense when you're making one, two, three kids like such an underdog. You can't have them keep winning. Like if he keeps winning, that you lose a little bit of that like shock factor from beating Razor on Raw like that out of nowhere. Like. You kind of want them to level down a little bit and not come up too quick, you know. So, I I I, I get that, and I get making IRS like a heel because DiBiase is already, like you said, on the way out. Which, which this also is weird why they don't mention the DiBiase thing because if you're going to build IRS up too, you kind of want to make it known. But I guess they're just going on people connecting the dots. I guess. Um, but fun yeah. match though. Fun fun match yeah. could have been a superstars match, but it was it was still fun. Yep, I agree. Are uh, you ready for your match? I purposely yeah. uh, messaged you when we were working through this and said, I have no notes on this match because I know you have it, so I'll let you. Uh, I don't like how you call it a, I don't like how you call it a match. I, I prefer to call it a masterpiece. Um, <laughs> okay, I, 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 I have nothing bad about that. I think, I think this, this, so, um, to start, to start, Todd's on, like, ringside with, um, Bruce and Owen Hart, one one beloved, one hated member of the Hart family. Um, Bruce is so boring when when Todd's like talking <laughs> to him. Like Owen's like all pumped up into Brett, like backing Brett, and Bruce is like he's the type that just tries to put himself over and oh, he yeah. wants to be involved. He's trying to get a job, and you know he's just so boring. He sucks so bad. So Todd just kind of talks to the two brothers, you know, going in. Because Stu and Helen couldn't be there, so they're kind of getting some family involvement in the match, which is um, good storytelling, like a good table setting of what you're going to get. Um, and then now we're going to, you know, we're getting to the match. It's going to be Bret Hart versus Jerry Lawler. So 
Brett coming down to the ring looks so determined. I love, I love how like involved he is into the character with details like this. Like he's not, you know, coming down looking all happy necessarily. He's just real focused on, on Lawler. And then when it's time for Lawler to come out, he comes out on crutches, which is, man, like these are like two of my top four all time guys. So like this is like, like just perfect stuff. Like I ate this up. Like Lawler coming out on his crutches is just so awesome. Like he's saying it. Like his whole rundown of why he's on the crutches is like five minutes long, but it's awesome. Like he's he comes down, he runs down the Hart family, runs down Michigan, and talks about how he got a rental car and the radio didn't work, the brakes didn't work, <laughs> the airbag didn't work. So some blue hair pulled out in front of him, and which is a term that I always use. So I pop for that. Like I like I love saying blue hair because people don't know what it is. And then says so some blue hair pulled out in front and caused a, a ten car uh, pile up. And you know, smashed his leg. So then so he says he walked down to the arena. So it's just like, it, it, he's such a good heel because the the crowd is just shitting all over him. Like, yeah, this is so unbelievable. Like, for him to go so far with this elaborate story, like that he's obviously bullshitting, and then he just tells him you know he could beat Brett with one leg, uh, but doctor says they can't do the match. So he introduces court gesture doink, which is so perfect like people look back at this and they this is the shit they make fun of when they say you you had a king you had the court gesture but when you have these characters already there and you make sense out of it like this it's so perfect like it's Dwink was a perfect guy to put in this spot like i don't care you know i don't care what people say if the the court gesture thing was dumb or whatever or the clown but it's so good it's like Dwink comes out and he's like so sympathetic to lawler like leg like he's so into it and Bruce just has to try and get himself like like once he gets over like Doink brings the the buckets over like he he fakes like he's gonna throw it out to the crowd with water and throws all this confetti out to the audience then he goes over by like Bruce and Owen and he throws water on them and Bruce like I've heard and I don't know if it's in Brett's book or if it, on podcasts I heard it but Bruce had no idea this was happening so he like got shoot pissed at this but he just had to try and get himself over like he comes out with over the railing and just tries to make it all about him instead of just kind of like playing along with it, which is kind of that part kind of sucked, but at least it let Brett attack Doink. And then now we get like the, the start of the official match, which we believe is going to be Brett versus Doink, which, you know, if, if you're in the crowd, I don't know what you're thinking at this point. Like, you know, like Lawler's hurt or is this our match that we're going to see? But nonetheless, at least that's a good replacement for the time being. But um, Doink like takes over for the for the meantime, like it's a good like technical work from the beginning because Doink is such a good technical wrestler, along with Brett. So they're kind of like mixing it up a little bit, and then he goes to the top rope and Brett reverses it and just drops him right on his face, like pulls him down right to his face. is an awesome spot. Um, and then Brett chases after Lawler and Doink finally gets the advantage after Brett chases after him, and then like the selling is so good when Doink starts working on Brett's leg. I, I just. Uh, he gets him into the stump pool and everything like the 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 commentary is even talking about it um finally like brett or doink is on the top rope going for the, the whoopee cushion and brett gets his yep. knees up it's such a good spot like i love that uh then brett you know puts him into the sharpshooter facing opposite of lawler which is such a good touch so like he puts the sharpshooter on, on his facing the other way which allows lawler to come in and attack him with the crutch and uh Owen and Bruce are trying to come in and aid Brett, but Lawler leaves with Doink and gets cut off by Jack Tunney, which I hate Jack Tunney, but 
I'll boot out of boot out the building. Yeah, it's like come on, like we need him in there for this, but I guess it made sense. Um Doink like leaves Lawler hanging, he just bails out of there and Tony orders Lawler to fight or he'll be banned from the WWF. So now we're gonna get Brett versus Lawler and Brett attacks Lawler like vicious. Like he's going after Lawler now and the crowd is just going crazy. I think this is like some of the best booking we've seen so far in my opinion, like from the start of this, like just this like story being told. Like I don't care about like five star like in ring matches. I I'd just rather be entertained overall. Like, you know, if it's a good match that entertains me, that's good. But if it's something like this too, where it's like the the booking that entertains more, I love it too. So I just think that, you know, getting to where we're at now is awesome. So, you know, we're, we, Brett just starts like pounding on Lawler. He looks like he's just so pissed and, uh, Lawler finally gets the advantage by using the crutch, like hits Brett in the throat. And then Brett finally comes back with a low blow, which is awesome by him. And, you know, he finally, like, Brett finally gets Lawler in the pile driver, which is a good spot, being that that's Lawler's move. Even, even if it's not like well known in the WWF that that's Lawler's move. You know, some, you know, tape traders or whatever will probably know that and get a kick out of that. So, yep. um, Brett finally puts him in the sharpshooter and refuses to let go. Like, he's just holding on to that sharpshooter. And this is, like, another story where it's in Brett's book that the um, scepter shot with Lawler was, like, stiff on Brett. Or, or we hit him with the chair, the, the crown, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. the throne or whatever, stiff as hell, that he cranked the sharpshooter in, like, hard as hell on purpose. Um, to Lawler, like as we so yeah, so it was awesome. It's like all these officials in the ring can't let him go, and, and finally Brett releases the hold, but then the um, decision is reversed, and as they're kind of uh, you know like wheeling Lawler out, he just holds up that one finger and such an awesome heel move. But um, I just think this was such an awesome way to show a, a baby face with aggression too, instead of being like. The one that like gets beaten down and has to fire back. Like he showed aggression instead of like a heel, like so much hatred and everything like that. And I thought both guys played the roles. I don't think you could then maybe a little bit of blood, like in the in the eighties. I don't think there's anything you could have added to this match to make it better. Like this is just a classic I don't even want to call it like a match, like, like a piece of business that you could just see like from beginning to end. I'd rather watch this than so many classic matches i'd rather watch this whole segment right here i just thought it was perfect and i know i'm i'm very biased when that happens but i, I don't care I, I loved it yeah i mean a lot of great stuff so one thing i i don't i i took a couple of notes because i knew you would have most of it but uh owen's hair i just put gross but i did look up that he did <laughs> wrestle the dark man so he was like he didn't finish showering so but right. his hair just looks so gross um huge pop for for Bret Hart's the King's story is amazing. He also does a great job of pausing like after he says Detroit or when he says one of those cars made in the motor city, like he pauses perfectly to like, make sure the crowd does it. And like, he does one where he's like, I hate you. I hate your father. I hate your mother. I hate your brother. <laughs> like, he's just like the hatred, uh, is so good. Uh, the doink bash was pretty fun. It's, it's a little weird to have doink kind of come out. You know, like because they had like no feud with Brett. I thought they could have done something like that. They kind of also mentioned, or Pink's also said that like there's a line of people looking to fight with versus him. So I thought mm-hmm. the only thing they could have done differently was just had some type of little feud between Brett and Doink somehow, or you know have someone else come out that Brett had been feuding with. I don't know who, but that's the only thing they kind of lost. Like they didn't, 
you know, it was kind of random they were fighting. But even when they fought, like, Brett would open the ropes and, like, cheer Lawler in. Like, he was, you know, spent a lot of time egging on Lawler. The crowd is just, like, kind of in, like, chaos, like, booing and just, like, pissed off. Um, so I thought a pretty good match, even though the kind of feud of Doink and Brett didn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, the, you, you noted in your notes, but the whoopee cushion miss was amazing. Like, it, get, it got massive air on it. And, uh, you know, missed it. And so fun match there. And then you kind of get the beat out of Lawler, which is a, the right way to do it, right? Real quick, three, three, four minutes, let Brett take advantage. King is basically no offense in. And then, you know, you kind of get this long, sharp shooter, he puts him in. Uh, and the crowd's loving it because of all the stuff Lawler has done and trashing him. You know, the crowd is into this the whole time. So w- whatever this is, 25 minutes match segment, the, the crowd was, uh, was up for it. So a, a great, a great, like, like I said, a, this is, this is wrestling storytelling, right? Like right. wrestling to me, isn't always about the, about the matches and in ring. And can I do nine flips off a ladder? Like there's storytelling involved in it too. And, th- and this is one of the best ones. So it's fun to watch anytime. I've watched this a ton of times just cause it's a fun pay-per-view, but this little middle segments, some of the best just cause of how funny Bobby Heenan is as well. I, I think also adds to it on the commentary, like just, oh, I've heard about this. Oh, yeah, I, I saw the wreckage. It looks so bad, you know, just kind of egging on from mm-hmm. the sidelines. So uh, I thought a great, uh, a great, uh, I don't know, not double main event, but a, gr- a great match. And obviously this feud's going to keep going, right? Because Brett kind of didn't get his revenge on him, and King looks like a superstar well, that's- uh, on it. Yeah, that that's like the main thing too. Is like it was so entertaining, and you're now you're like you're so invested in each character now too. Now you're more invested in Doink. Is he going to be a part of this going forward? Now, like, how is Lawler gonna gonna weasel his way out of something next time? Is Brett finally gonna get his true revenge? Like, I, I love how you know just the the story evolved. So I just think it, it, it's probably like it's not the best technical match that we've seen yet. Maybe like maybe perfect Brett was better, or maybe Brett Razor or something like that. Maybe was better. Sean one of Sean yep. Marty's, but as far as entertaining and what I like the most and what I would rather watch, this is definitely the number one spot so far. Uh, should we go on to plugs? Kind of halfway point here before we uh, move along, or do you want to save that for later? What do you want? Yeah, to no, we can have some point? plugs. So, um, being that it's you know SummerSlam, it's probably like, you know we're covering a big show. Um, just want to give a shout out to like specifically like the whole feed in general, like the North South connection. Um, you know, like Monday through Sunday, we got something every day, AEW, WWE current stuff with clotheslines and headlines, ECW, you know, ruthless aggression era, Monday night wars, everything you can think of. We, we have it on the feed. Um, Jenny does her stuff. She always holds it down for us. Like she's always taking care of us. And then. You got uh, Tim and Marcus as well doing like reviews of the pay-per-views. And then they also have their own uh, pod, which is like seriously one of my favorite pods right now. The, the the final wrestling place. Like it's, I can't stop listening to that podcast. Like that has such a, a long history of pods. And it's like, I, I, I must listen to four or five episodes a week of that. So um, good stuff by them. And, and they're related to the, to the feed as well. So I just want to, Give them a shout out because maybe more people listen to like an episode like this since it's a pay-per-view and just want to put more ears on their um, feed as well. So we got good stuff yeah, going yeah. on. Yeah, stuff every day. I was lucky enough to do uh, Walker, Texas Range with the Jenny, but she has different stuff every 
every Wednesday uh, is kind of her day. And then, you know, we're on Tuesday, but Ruthless Aggressions every Tuesday. And then now into the Rumble, one of my favorite, uh, almost every other Monday or once a month, uh, you know, they kind of get through a thing. And they just did Mabel, which is a shocking one. Like, you think that'd be a guy that's terrible, but his, I think 99 was, he was really good. I think they gave him high marks. I actually thought they, the way they described it, I actually thought they should give him higher marks compared to some of the guys, but uh, kind of an interesting guy because he's so into the new generation era, but you forget how long he was, like, after even the Attitude era. Like, he was around right. for a while, so I, I always love that show. And uh, you, you, you've talked about before, but Aaron by himself doing the wrestler that was. He just did – I haven't listened to it, but uh, Diesel, right? Like, Diesel was mm-hmm. last yep. week. Uh, I might skip that one just because I hate Diesel. But, you know, that might be one to <laughs> – maybe I can start maybe, – maybe Aaron will change my mind on him, so uh, – do you hate stuff. Diesel? Do you hate Diesel just in ring, or do you hate the character as well? Like, like on the mic and that kind of thing. Uh, I think just kind of both. I just think he's like an overrated. I just was never the biggest fan of him. Like, do I think he was influential as the second outsider, and even as part of Diesel? Like, was he a cool character at times in WWE? But I just think he's like so overrated. Like. Right. He was obviously okay. champion. We'll get there. The the worst champion in '95. A lot of that's to blame for him. Like the matches are terrible. He has no charisma at times. So I don't know. I'm just not the biggest fan of him. And I thought like a lot. You know, the stuff you read about WCW downfall. A lot of it's like his politicking and things like that. Like I know it's a lot Hogan and Bishop. There's a lot of people to blame for WCW downfall. But I just can never get get around to Kevin Nash. So maybe one day. Well, you just broke my heart, so sorry, that's good. Sorry. Yeah, that's good. I like I like Bret Hart though. I like Bret Hart. There you go. There you go. You want me back? I'm back in. All right. And I also right. love Ludwig Borga, uh, who's in our next match. So uh, we get, we get kind of we kind of like a little intermission, but then they they have a Borga promo, like tape promo, where he just talks about Lex. So I, I, my notes I have red flags going up that they're obviously going Borga Lex. Uh, Marty comes out to a huge pop. Uh, I thought Marty was like an A-plus seller in this match. Uh, I've actually been, I know, I was really impressed by him in this run. Like, I thought that uh, Marty wouldn't be as good uh, and, like, wouldn't be around as much and just would be, like, half-assing it or drunk or things like that. But I thought, like, he's been great in some of these matches. We've seen him in the Sean match, the Doink match, and now I thought this match for selling for Borg, who's not the greatest wrestler, but I thought a really cool match. Old school, hey, we got a new heel. He's going to take on the new champion, Lex, and uh, let's put him over. The only thing I noted about, I just felt bad for Marty. Like, I thought this could have been a Virgil match instead. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe have Marty do something else just because I felt like Marty's been giving good effort. But um, I really liked it. Uh, I don't know if you had anything to add on the match. Pretty pretty quick, but your standard kind of squash of let Marty get a couple moves over but make Luga, Ludwig look really strong. Yeah, so I thought I thought Marty has made Borga look the best he's looked yet. Like, I... Like, I put my notes that I hate and love that this had to be Marty Jannetty because, right. like, I don't feel like he should have been the guy to kind of been, like, squashed out like this. Um, but I also feel like he needs to be the guy to put Borg over, especially with kind of, like, the reading between the lines of kind of plans they have for him. Uh, you got to have somebody in there putting him over strong, not just, you know, like, when he does that body press and, like, punches him in the gut in midair, like, not too many guys are going to help him do that, make that move look that impressive. So I thought it was, you know, good placement on his end, even though I, I hate that it had to be Marty, but, um, fun, a fun little match. And he also wins with the, the torture rack now instead of that, you know, clothesline, which I think is very good finisher for him. Like it, it fits him better. So, um, 
solid little match there. Nothing crazy, but a nice come down match after that long Brett segment. So I thought it was good. Yeah, so per- that that match is a perfect placement and the perfect like quick, you know, nothing too long. Don't make Ludwig look bad, you know, type match. So I thought right. really well done. And then uh, speaking of a perfect match, we have uh, Undertaker versus Giant Gonzalez next in a seven stars. Rest- yeah, <laughs> rest in peace match. Something that nostalgia can't even save. But um, there's no count out, no DQ. There will be a winner. So it's basically just a like no holds barred match. I don't know what rest in peace had to do with this, but um, this match we get like the classic Undertaker entrance, but without Paul Bearer. Like the like the lights go out. It's 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 like old like the the taker you come to know for Massive years pop just, too. yeah and huge right he's over like crazy um uh and then taker like attacks gonzalez at the bell this time so this is cool but then giant gonzalez like whips taker to the steps on, on the outside and, and the size disparity is so crazy like giant gonzalez is like one of the biggest people <laughs> they've ever had like he just, I don't, like, I like in WCW, like, Elegante is so, like, skinny and scrawny looking. And I don't know if it's, like, the bodysuit that helps so much, but he looks so massive. Like, he looks huge. Like, not only, like, like he looks like he would dwarf Andre in the ring. Like, he looks like, I don't know, yep. it's just the, the size disparity is awesome. But, um, and then, like, like you get Taker selling, which you don't see much of. Like, he's, like, reaching for the, the urn. Like he looks real desperate in that in that section, which I thought was really good. Um, but then kind of like you know, going on, like coming out of nowhere, and and Bear arrives with like the wreath, which is you know I guess we get like the comeback of Paul Bear. So uh, he gets involved and like clotheslines Harvey Whipman on the outside. So I guess like he's a worker now. But then he finally like gets the urn that they had stolen. So like you know Taker's kind of getting his powers back, I guess. Um, then he hits like the Taker hits the top rope clothesline because obviously not going to tombstone him or I guess not even choke slam Giant Gonzalez. So kind of a weird, you know, for this to be like this, like supposed, uh, blood rest in peace <laughs> match, blood feud kind of match. You win with the top rope clothesline and like they did all this just to reunite Bear and Undertaker basically with the urn. Like that's basically what this feud was for. And to, like this is just done a regular match and I call this rest in peace match because now you're putting um, more expectation on it, even though everybody kind of knew it was going to suck anyways, but it was just kind of weird that, uh, what you came out of this. And then like at the end, um, Gonzalez attacks Harvey Whippleman with a pretty stiff ass choke slam. Like, like he kind of like slammed him through the mat looking wise. Like, like he just kind of held on to him the whole time. So I guess we're getting like the giant Gonzalez face turn we all clamored for, but yep. Uh, the match obviously was not that great. And, did not fit the stipulation at all, but it was kind of cool to see like Undertaker and Paul Bearer get back together and see that moment. But other than that, it didn't really do much for me. Yeah. So I, uh, so I actually liked Jack Gonzalez's music. I don't ever heard it before, but I actually liked his entrance music. It was kind of like a gothic, um, entrance music, but he just has no heats. Like there was no, not much booing for him. Like he just not over as a heel. I think people just, Find it funny. He's also got a hairier crotch now. So I don't know what, what happened there. But he, he does look big. Like he, he is massive, but, you know, compared to Undertaker, but a massive pot for Undertaker. Um, and, and in this, Bobby Heenan talks about how Paul Bearer isn't here. And like Vince is like, shut up. Shut up. He hasn't been here for a while. Like, don't talk about that. So it's kind of funny there. 
Uh, I actually thought the chair shot by Jack Gonzalez had it. Like, he actually hit him on the outside pretty good. Like, it was a loud pop. But, again, the crowd was just not for it. Like, there should have been some oohs and ahs for that. Like, because it was a nasty shot, I thought, on Taker. Um, just very silent for this match. Uh, what I thought would have been cool is they did the lights out for Paul Bear instead of just the dong. But that got a huge reaction and kind of turned the match around. So, the last four, three, three minutes, I thought was pretty good. Like, the crowd was pumped up for Bear tackling or, like, clotheslining, you know, Paul Bear offense is always awesome, but kind of clotheslining Harvey Whippleman. Uh, crowd got up for that. I uh, got the urn, huge pop. Um, and then, you know, kind of does his weak, weak, or Taker does his weak clotheslines on, on Gonzalez and finally goes to the top rope and, and uh, hits him with it. He also puts the wreath in front of Giant Gonzalez to kind of really show that, like, he took him out. Uh, and, you know, kind of, kind of a, a, a good ending like the, I think the last three four minutes was fine the first five minutes was kind of dreadful and just no heat for Giant Gonzalez so uh they got some pops on the face turn I felt like for Harvey Whippleman I'm not sure why he needs to turn face but uh at least Taker can move on to someone else uh and kind of done with Harvey the urn it's kind of he's kind of back to normal so uh not the worst match uh because I think if you like watch that last three minutes of Paul Bear returning I think it's not terrible but it's definitely not seven stars. Exactly. Uh, and then we go on to uh, the Cowboys and Indians match. Uh, so we got Smoking Guns and Tonka versus Bam Bam and the Head Shrinkers. Uh, big entrance pop for both Smoking Guns and Tataka. And the Head Shrinkers come out with Bam Bam. So no music for Bam Bam. A little weird that, I, that he didn't get his own kind of separate entrance. They show Radio WWE, who's in the upper, 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 upper deck of this thing. Like, I don't know how they could see anything that's going on. There was a weird joke by Bobby Heenan where he says, Dallas Cowboys and Cleveland Indians never win. Uh, I'm pretty sure the Cowboys won the Super Bowl that year. So I, I, don't, know what, yeah. I don't know what he was talking about. So I, I had to actually like, double-check my years of, like, what year they beat the Bills. I'm like, yeah, that's 93, so I don't know what that joke is. Uh, uh, this is another match where the, the match was really slow, uh, when the guns were taking the offense, because I just don't think they're over the crowds. But then we kind of talked about this with the last uh, match on, uh, was it SummerSlam Spectacular or was it six-man tags? When Tataka mm-hmm. gets in there, the crowd, like, erupts, and he gets a hot tag. Uh, he does the warpath, but then Bam Bam knocks him off with a sidekick. Uh, but the crowd was still going that. He did an awesome crossbody, which I know they've shown before in, like, highlight packages, where he does, like, a crossbody across the air. Uh, Tataka does a Bam Bam, and, like, he gets massive air. Just a photo of it looks awesome. Just kind of landing on a bigger guy. Uh, so then it kind of turns into chaos the second half of the match, if they kind of take down Tataka. It's a lot of three-on-ones. Again, the refs kind of lose control of this match. Just a lot of three-on-one. Vince says that this isn't Survivor Series, and my note is that doesn't make sense because it's not three-on-one in Survivor Series. You still have to do tags. So I don't, right. he doesn't even know his own gimmicks. Um, and then the end of the match has a triple headbutt. The crowd like, erupts when they see all three guys going up to the top rope. Like, they are, like, awe. Uh, Tataka moves out of the way, luckily. They kind of mistime it a little bit, but, like, it was still an awesome visual, still an awesome, like, sound they all made of, like, three thuds in a row. Um, and then the both smoking guns do kind of a, I think, like a, almost like a Frankenstein or out, but the course, again, this is my note, the camera misses this again. So I think, like, the production still is not up to, like, a different pace. Mm-hmm. Um and then you kind of get the uh, one, two, three by Tataka. I think on Samu on a little schoolboy. He probably should. I don't know if he maybe couldn't do it on the the bigger guys on the three, but he probably should have done his finishing move versus like a roll up. Like you're beating a tag team guy, you don't need to kind of protect them with this win. That's the only thing I would do. So I thought the second half of the match was you know 
you know, awesome, awesome, high energy. The crowd was super into it, especially on the you know, back half of a two-hour show. The crowd was super into it. The, the the part with the guns in it was a little slow, so I would have maybe taken a couple minutes off of it and just had the the chaos of the match. Uh, but I, I actually really enjoyed the second half of this match. I thought it was really well done. Yeah, so I I agree a hundred percent with that hot tag. Like Tatanka coming in, like I I don't know they I, I don't know who they could have paired him with, but I'd like to see him in the tag team going forward because I think he's like so over with the crowd and his offense like fits a hot tag so well. So I love that part. Um, have you, I don't know if you've seen have you seen the like the head shrinkers uh, action figures that are coming out. Like, yes, I did. Released? I think oh I think God. you posted them. I think you posted them. Yeah, <laughs> dude, so good. Oh yeah. my god, it's like so, so it hit me right in the feels. Like I love that. But that was another little note from like the Comic Con that the head shrinkers um, figures are coming out. But they um, that headbutt spot is awesome. Like they first they hit like the standing triple headbutt, and then they go to the top rope to like one up it, and they miss. And the crowd just goes crazy when that happens. So. Um, fun little tag match, you know, like, I thought, like, this was one of the better matches of the night, too, and, you know, a good finish, like, to keep Tatanka strong, so, um, from there, we get, uh, your boy Joe Fowler again, backstage, talking with, like, the Lex Express driver, oh, and my this God. guy was, man, like, the, the twang on him was undeniable, just, like, this, this guy, like, he's, I don't know, I don't know if he's, like, the real driver of the bus, but he's just, is on the campaign for Lex Luger, just selling everything Luger, you know, telling how good of a man he is and all this good stuff. But that twang was just right there with him the whole time. And uh, it was, uh, that was crazy. But um, next we get uh, a, some Suzuki was his name, last name. I don't know his first name. Sang the, the Japanese national anthem for like the Yoko side of things here and fans shit all over this. And like, Oh my God. The whole thing. Yeah, I felt like a Blackhawks game when they used to sing like the national anthem and the, the the crowd was still be going crazy while he's singing it, like in a, in a good way. But this was like the opposite because his singing was terrible. Um, not to be outdone by Randy Savage accompanying uh, Aaron Neville from NXT down to sing the national anthem here, and I don't know, like this was like so. Like I don't know if, this, if there's a more American themed pay per view than this because like like they should have dug up like the founding fathers and put them in this pay per view as well. Like, just, just the way like I don't know it's just so crazy to have him come down this like American outfit and the way he's singing like he he's singing like Herbert from Family Guy. I don't know if you know who that is, but he's like I the don't. old Herbert guy. I'm not the biggest Family, family guy. guy, but yeah. If you if you would guy. hear him talk like the. The squeaks in his voice and everything when he's singing this, I'm like, what is he doing? And he's actually a decent singer, like in real life. So, like, this was just a terrible rendition, I thought, on both ends. So, um, didn't really get me pumped up either way, but, uh, on to the match with Yoko and Lex. Again, champion coming out first. I hate it, especially in your main event. Like, it, well, especially the WWE champion. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, I can excuse it more earlier with Sean or, uh, whoever it was, I think it was Sean, but I can excuse it more then. But for your main event WWF champion, like, um, and we'll get to the finish earlier. She so didn't change it, so I don't, I don't, I just don't understand it. I know like the pop's gonna be the same either way. If Lex comes out first, especially following the, the national anthem of America, you'd figure you'd want Lex to come out. So just, just weird. Um, 
Well, Luger does eventually come out after Yoko, and his tights are sick with this gold, like gold trim and the USA elbow pad. I thought he looked really good. Like he upped his upped his game for the pay per view, and I like when wrestlers do that. Like when they adapt like a different look than their normal look. Um, so that was cool. Like it felt, it made it feel like a bigger moment, like a like a main event, big time match. So yeah, can I just um, say like, were, a couple of things before yeah, the match? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. One, we just saw Hank. Uh, Hank, uh, I don't know if you've listened to uh, Chicken Salad, but that is the ultimate Logan impersonation of, uh, of Hank the bus driver. It's ridiculous. Um, and then uh, Bobby Heenan also says that it's, a, it's Jimmy Carter driving the bus, and Vince just no-sells it. And I'm like, in my notes, I'm like, this is why Vince sucks. I know people like him, and I think I liked him, but, like, girlies would play off Bobby, and I think, like, they just have an off night together. I think the commentary in this pay-per-view is kind of hit or miss a lot of times. Um, right. And then you also get uh, Todd with the hobo, as I put it, in bed sheets. But they actually did a good job of USA chants. Like, they must have been doing it from the crowd. Uh, so the crowd was definitely into USA. There's 45 minutes left in the pay-per-view at this point. So this is – a they make this out to be a huge, uh, huge deal. Like, this is the main event. So, like, that was pretty cool. And then that the Japanese national anthem, I meant to look up if that was really the national anthem. But, like – Man, that's a rough rendition. If that guy was so off key, oh, yeah. and it was awesome, uh, and I also think people like drew it out. Like he's like, and please stand, and like just giving time for booze. So I thought pretty good. And then, uh, sorry if you mentioned it, but like Macho Man comes out here and does nothing here. Like he's right. basically worthless. Like oh, man, I I feel like he could have just been in the commentary. Like he's been doing commentary for a while. I think it might have helped this the presentation, but it was just a. Uh, uh, a weird, like, having him out there. And the only thing he did, too, like, that he's terrible, was says that your next champion is Lex Luger. And it's like, right. uh-oh, uh-oh. So, um, definitely uh, yeah. a fun, uh, I, I like all this build-up. Like, they make it, like, a huge deal. Let's just see if the payoff comes through. Well, you know, and have they ever done this before for a main event? Like, they added this much I, trimming to it? Definitely in you know, future years, but, like, Right, I really like the only one kind of the only one that's kind of close is like Colgan Warrior, right? Where they just make it like this epic and like really long left in you know like I think Colgan Warrior starts with so like you know forty minutes left in the pay per view, you know kind of like so if you're in the crowd, you're kind of checking your watch and you're like, shoot, it's only you know it's only ten o'clock, they still, they're supposed to go to eleven. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of the only other time I, I could think of it where it's like really build up a huge packet, you know, uh, package beforehand, like. Definitely not many times, right? They really didn't do this with Hogan as much, so I, I like all of it, and definitely never with like the dual doing anthems and things. Like they've made this to be a big deal, right? They window dressed it to hell. Yeah. So like I think they realized that maybe Yoko's a little limited in the ring; he's going to get blown up early. Like let's you know let's let's fill in the gaps here and kind of distract the audience from that and make this story about everything else. Um, and and, you know, and your so. fr- and your friend uh, Luger's not the best in the ring either, so that's uh, exactly. Let's... <laughs> no, definitely. Well, yeah. yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, so like into the match, Luger's kind of like on the attack early, and Yoko finally like, hits him with that throat chop, that vaunted throat chop he has. Um, so decent stuff early, nothing crazy. Like they're not gonna you know blow it out out of the park early, but. Um, I thought it was cool, like, we go outside and he kind of does, like, choke him with the cables and stuff. We really don't see that in this era, so that was a nice little touch. Um, and then he, like, grabs a chair, too, and goes to swing at Luger, and, and Luger ducks and he hits the post. So 
we're seeing like a little bit more violent side to Yoko on this, which I like. So a little, you know, the stakes are a little high. Um, then we get in like, like Yoko lays him out and goes for the bonsai and misses and the crowd is just going crazy when Yoko misses the bonsai. Like also at this point too, he is so gassed and it's so obvious these gas, like they haven't worked like this, like frenetic pace or anything like that. And he is just so out of gas. Like I think they're really like, I don't, I don't know if it's a made a mistake putting Yoko in this main event picture, but he's obviously not there yet. Like, like in 92, in mid 92, late 92, he could go, like he was doing stuff, but that was mostly like squash matches where people are saying, Oh, he, he, look how he can move around and stuff like that. Once he gets like in this main event, like he's kind of slow and obviously like, with how big he is, but he just looks like he's just not meant for it, you know? Yeah. I, I just wonder if that would have been better off putting somebody else like in, in this spot. Uh, going forward, babyface or not, keeping around Brett, whatever. But um, yeah, he misses the bonsai, and then and Luger gets that big forearm and drops Yoko outside for the countout win. So after we already had like a countout victory or, or countout victory earlier, this they do it again in the main event, and it just goes so flat and so. I didn't even, I didn't even, even think about that. That's a great point. You know, yeah, and and I think that's what sucks is like you do it for. Two, the two main titles of your promotion, that's what you do is two count-out wins. And then they're throwing a damn parade for the count-out, too. Like, <laughs> you know, all these people come down, and, like, there's this, you know, confetti, all this crap. For what? Like, he didn't win the belt. Like, it just makes it makes Luger and the fans look so dumb. Like, you, this, you, you should be frustrated that, that you won by count-out. Yeah. Like, you didn't get the belt. You, your push is kind of over. Like, it's not... Yeah, you might be still kind of floating around, but you know you're not you're not gonna get to to the scene. And for all they put in, like we we've talked about it on all the, you know, we didn't want to spoil it outright, but we've talked about it on all the superstars, all the raws. You go through this extent to this Lex Express to this campaign trail, which you know would have been so cool if you blow it off with a win. Like you don't need Yoko as yeah. a champ anymore. He, the, like the story was. He's a foreign heel, like you had in the Hogan days, stuff like that. Good transitional champ. You don't, Yoko doesn't need to be like this long-term champ for this company. It doesn't fill any purpose at all. He could still be a credible, uh, monster heel for the next opponent. You know, he doesn't need the belt. Give Luger the belt here and then see if he fails or not. Like you, you won't know until you try it. So, um, I just thought this finishes with all the awesome booking they did with the Brett Lawler stuff. This was such terrible booking, and, and I just don't like how they thought like the fans were just going to be excited about this countout win. Like, that, like here, this is what we're going to give you. This is how you should leave the pay per view happy. Like, I, I if I was watching this at the time, older or whatever, I would have been pissed. You know? Yeah, I don't think how you go into this and be like, I didn't, I didn't know Luger wasn't going to win this. Like, I just remember it being like a slam dunk that he was going to win this. Uh, right. It. There's a weird spot, like I think there might. I, what I'm hoping, but it's probably not true, that they have like the timing off of it, because like the one thing he could have done is that like, okay, he knocks him out of the ring, and then Luger's like fighting uh, Cornette and Fuji, and then like didn't get a chance to get him out. Instead, he's just standing in the middle of the ring like an idiot while the countout's going on, and then jumping up and down when he gets his arm raised, like. That kind of should have been. I get like if you want to have him excited that he beat him, but I think like you can't just have him standing in the middle of the ring like an idiot. He looks like a moron, and right. 
Uh, I just don't know if that was like bad timing, but like it, it just was terrible. They get the balloons coming down and Macho and Steiners and Vince is just loving this. It's like laughing it up. Like he saved America and like he did it. And then like Bobby's like, but Yoko's still champion. He's like, oh yeah. And like, it's just, uh, it's just kind of a jam. And like, again, when I was watching this, like I didn't watch this pay-per-view live, but like I knew when I checked into Raw, I'm like, for sure, this is going to be, you know, Luger, the new champion. Like, I think it was mm-hmm. time. Like they built him up like that. And now he just looks like a bum and never, never could recover. We'll, we'll see if like how long it, it does, but like it clearly just, ne- he never recovers for it. Yeah. It's just, it's just like so unlike the WWF to put that much into something and not go through with it. Like they're, well, I don't they're, know. they're going I, for I their new, it. they're going, they're going for their new Hogan, right? So it's like, right. they're going for the new Hogan. It's like the new Hogan didn't lose a bunch. Exactly. Uh, first, like, you know, he, when he had his title match, like he just won. So, uh, super disappointing. And, and the other thing too is like, like, you know, them having a heel champion for a long period of time isn't their formula either. And, you know, when people talk about like the down year of the company, like this, this era, they don't talk about Yoko. They, they always, they always like pin it on Brett and pin it on you know, Diesel, even though like rightfully so maybe, but like they don't pin it on Yoko enough, I think. And him, not being like a, a, I don't know he's it just doesn't fit like I'm not a Luger guy at all I don't really like Luger I like some of his earlier stuff but like this era Luger I'm not I'm not really a fan of but he still should have been the champion right here like I still think he should have won the belt and at least gave it a test run to, you know to the Rumble at least to, just to kind of see where he can go yeah. Yeah, it's super, super weird. And, uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I won't blame Yoko as much. Like, I, I, I think it's, it's a, cause I actually think the feud that comes out of this, right, with Taker, I think is a cool right. feud, right? Like, so I think they did a good job of, I don't know when that's positioned, so kind of interesting to see right away. Like, is it Yoko positioned to Taker right away? Or is it like in, you know, four months and it finally comes out? So that'd be kind of interesting to see. But I think that's a mm-hmm. good feud, right? That kind of is a money feud. So I, I don't mind that as much, but. Yeah, they should just get it too. But does it need the belt? Does Taker Yoko need the belt? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. No, no. I I agree. I don't think it does, right? But it it is something that kind of Yoko brings. I think some uh, 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 Yoko brings to like you know make make himself look strong. Like I can't I can't blame him all for the downfall of the company. I think I don't think it's but you know. Everyone's different opinion on why the company yeah. sucks in '94 '95. <laughs> right. So, right. I blame Diesel. So you know we all have different <laughs> opinions. Right. Uh, and then we do get well, the network kind of ruins it, but the uh, "I'll Be Your Hero" video kind of uh, I don't know what song it was, but the network had something dubbed over it. But they do the "I Do Your Hero" basically. Which is just stupid again. The guy lost, but they show the highlights of the uh, bus tour. Right. It's so stupid after this. And then uh, the network has some new song, or sorry, Peacock has a new song. And then uh, uh, they go back to Yokozuna still passed out in the ring with the balloons everywhere and the crowd still cheering. And Bobby says, someone please help him. Like he's going crazy about no one helping Yoko. So they made Luger's forearm look strong. I also put in my notes like, Luger cheated to do that as well. Like, he wasn't supposed to do that. So, uh, you know, it's kind of weird that, like, that's how he wins on a cheat move. So, uh, but it made that, made that look really strong that, like, Luger was, or Yoko was out for, like, 10 minutes from that forearm. 
Anything else you got to add on the uh, SummerSlam or the no, Oklahoma just, thing? I just feel like the the true main event happened in the middle of the card, and we get stuck with a flat finish. But yeah, not I mean, not a not a terrible show, but not as good. Like on paper, I thought this was going to be a lot better. And like I said, I haven't seen this in so long, so it, like I've seen the Brett Lawler stuff a couple of times, I've seen the main event a couple of times, but um, for the most part, I hadn't seen most of this, and I think. Like the the Sean stuff being as flat as it was hurt. The main event finishing as flat as it did hurt. And like that's the kind of stuff that sours you on it, I guess. Like that's the stuff you'll remember is like, okay, this big time match, how did it handle? You know, and, and when those big matches hit and the other little stuff is still solid, that's what makes a great show. But this yeah, just I kind mean, of felt average. Yeah, I felt like the couple of finishes, right? The the uh, perfect finish, the one, two, three kid finish, the main event finish, like you were just expecting something more. I don't think anything's really bad on there because I think the back half of the Gonzalez Taker match actually is pretty good with Paul Bear coming back. So I actually mm-hmm. don't think there's anything like terrible on there. Nothing's really boring and nothing's too long. So I think it's a pretty good pay per view. It's just there's a lot of like, eh, that kind of happened. That kind of happened. Like the Sean Perfect match, eh, it's okay. Like it's watchable. There's nothing truly bad in it. You know, so I think that's kind of where it loses it, but definitely the highlight is is the mid mid part of the the pay per view. So it's I think it's like an average pay per view with nothing bad or unwatchable or skippable. Right, in my opinion. But I, I think a lot of people would skip Taker Gonzalez. I just think the Bear stuff, is, Paul Bear stuff, is so good and the crowd's so into it that it's it's enjoyable. All right, should we move on to our awards? Yes, sir. We got our um, first most new gen outfit. Uh, I'm gonna go with Luger. I like I like his gold trim and then that American like elbow pad and everything. Yeah, he, look like, him, he, like he was looking good. I'll go, I'll go Macho with his. Uh, he's been kind of wearing this a lot, but his his uh, his uh, ninety ninety three uh, USA outfit that he keeps wearing over and over. I hope he hope he's washing it, washing it. So uh, we got most <laughs> new gen performer. Uh, I'll come on. Uh, I know. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lawler. Yeah, I'm gonna go Lawler on this. Yeah, Lawler stole the show without even having to like work a great match. So I'm gonna have to yep. go Lawler. Yep, I'll go. Uh, who do I want to go? I'll go with Steiners. I thought their match was fun. Hometown, like good match. Again, I think Heavenly Bodies not being over kind of sucks, but I thought they did right. really good. Uh, worst match or segments? <sighs> it's it's out of two matches. Either Taker or Sean. I. Because I was more disappointed, I'm, I'm gonna go with Sean and Perfect. Okay, I'm gonna go with Luger celebrating that he like won the title, but really didn't. Because um, I just think it, he looks so stupid. Right. Like when he starts jumping up and down when the countout gets announced, like he's so dumb. Like he just yeah, so dumb. He looks like a moron. So uh, we got best match segments. Uh, Brett Brett Lawler easily. <laughs> Doink, Brett Lawler, doink. Doink, yep. King. Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say the same. I think there's nothing else I can really put against that. It's, it's so good. The made up story, the blue haired lady, all of it, all of it's great. <laughs> uh, stock up. Stock up. Uh, I'm actually gonna go to Tonka. I think he's been really solid, like, with that role that he's doing. And I think yep. he deserves some praise from this show, cause I, I like yeah. his role. That was a fun back half of the match. Uh, I'm trying to think of I'm going to think someone different. That might be a good one. I'm going to go Razor. 
first first match as a face, really, or face big match as a face, and I thought it looked really good. I know you didn't like that match as much, but I thought like him being over was was really well done. So I'll go Razor there, and then our our, our old time stock down. Uh, I guess Gonzalez would be an easy pick, but I'm I'm gonna go Sean. I'm gonna go Sean Michaels. Like him not being put over clean lowers his stock, in my opinion. I feel like the champion should have been put over clean on this pay-per-view. Yeah, I'm going to go the same. I think just, like, disappointing. Uh, maybe you can blame Perfect a little bit, but Sean, right. supposed to be the best worker of the company, supposed to be the future, and just let down. And, you know, one of the things they start saying, and I think you kind of see it, like, he's not in the best shape at this time. Like, looks yeah. a little fat, a little chubby. Is like, his pants also are, like, he's got, like, fat man ass, too, on there. He's, like, yep. high-waisted, so... <laughs> Just yeah. as overall, I think definitely. And then, you know, one sad thing that we didn't kind of bring up in, in the Doink match, but this is the end of uh, Matt Bourne. And uh, I believe, I don't know when it comes, but I think the end of Heel Doink. I think we might get a couple more Heel Doinks, but, it's, you know. It's, yeah, it's coming up soon. It's coming up soon. I know Matt Bourne's fired after this because I think he gets busted doing drugs after the match or something like that. So this is the end of uh, the great, great Evil Doink, and we'll see if we like Face doink as much. Uh, spoiler, will not. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. Until he gets dink, then it's five star. Right. So right. yeah, so a little sad there. I didn't want to give him stocked out for that, but he's done a great job with the character. But obviously, had some demons that he couldn't get get past and get a change exactly. direction for the the character. So uh, a, a fun watch. Like I think it's a fun, easy pay per view to watch. Uh, but, you know, some of the, the endings just kind of a little disappointing. I, I can imagine if you were in the crowd, too, you would have been, like, pretty pissed. Like, right. fuck, I thought I, saw, I thought I saw perfect winning. I thought I saw Luger. Compare this to, like, the 91 SummerSlam where, like, all the faces kind of win. Like, the people that are supposed to go over and you're just kind of left feeling happy. I feel like you'd probably be a little bummed if you went to this and, and kind of just walking out of there, like, deflated. Like, you didn't get kind of what you're expecting. So. Yeah, it's, so, it's so true. And, and when you look at the landscape, like, Yoko won the Rumble heel. Uh, yep. Yoko won the main, main event until the Hogan bullshit happened. Um, Brett won the King of the Ring, but then Lawler kind of like attacked him, so kind of a bad taste in your mouth there. Um, and then Yoko beats Hogan in the main event. So another heel. Yep. Then this, this happens where face doesn't go over clean. So like they're not, they're just straying so far from the formula and it's not like this like radical like you know, edgy way. It's just kind of like a bland formula they have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely weird. that so many kind of heels winning, right? Like that's just something they didn't really do. Um, so kind of, kind of on, on different than the Hogan era, right? Where it's always Hogan on top celebrating, just don't have right. it happening right now. So again, I, I like the pay-per-view. I think it's a, a super easy watch and, uh, I think we'll be moving on to some superstars and Raw will lead up to uh Survivor Series and I think a bunch of changes are going to be happening in the next couple of months uh with some a couple oh, guys yeah. leaving so it's going to be kind of crazy time uh I think uh, kind of changing of a lot of the you know we kind of seen the some of this like the Duggan guys are kind of still been wrong but I think a lot of those guys are kind of disappearing and we'll see how Survivor Series looks up before you know really heading into WrestleMania 10 which is one of my favorite pay-per-views so I want to see how they get there and if it if it feels like a big lead up so Definitely, definitely excited about the upcoming next couple months uh, as we get into the next couple pay-per-views. Yeah, same here. Survivor Series '93, I've probably seen one time, so I'm definitely uh, looking forward to that. 
Yeah, I think it's a great. I think I I really like the build for it. The pay per view maybe not as much, but I think there's a lot of good storylines that kind of weave till I think some Royal Rumble and then weave into Mania. So I think it's a fun like six month stretch coming up here. Uh, we'll see if all the Raws and superstars deliver, but I just remember being super into the product at this point. So uh, we'll see. So I, we got to check the schedule, but there's, we'll probably do a couple of superstars and a couple of Raws the next couple of times, and then get into Survivor Series. So we'll see you guys shortly, and then thanks everyone for all the feedback, and uh, keep keep all the reviews and rate, ratings coming for uh, the North-South Connection. Talk to you next time. All right. Whoa, whoa.